Hello and welcome to the Diabetes Dugout with Brighty and Peachy, brought to you by the Diabetes Football Community. This is your regular dose of all things football and diabetes as we bring you the stories of those affected by the condition who have a love of the sport. Everything we share and talk about on this podcast is from personal experience and if you have any concerns about the management of your condition, you should always check in with a healthcare professional. Now, with all that said, let's crack on with the episode. Hello and welcome to episode 16 of the Diabetes Dugout. Joining me as always, my co-host Christopher Bright. How are we, Brighty? That was a very formal introduction, yeah. wasn't it? I like to vary it, mix it up a bit. Yeah, well, Christopher is my forename, so uh, yes, I am very well, mate. And how are you? Uh, I've been better. Go on, talk me through it. It was a great save, though, I've heard. It mate, was a great honestly. save. It was the ball was heading top bins and I have flung my arm up and tipped it over. Big save then. Big arguably, save. arguably, what? you probably should be maybe Tottenham Hotspurs number one based on that save. Ooh, I thought we were going to avoid that. Uh, I, I was wanting to take it there straight away. Uh, John. Oh, you can't. Or the Villa win. Let, let's celebrate. <laughs> let's talk football again. Absolutely. Big win for my boys and your boys took an absolute pasting, John. When we did the, the pod with Jack and Bryn, I knew I was going to have to start ribbing Jack because I knew it wasn't going to last. No, I'm, I'm just getting, I'm getting a little bit of an own back for the boys that have had to take a little bit of heat from you in the past few weeks. So It's only been the me. Arsenal fans. It's only been the Arsenal fans. Yeah, no one true. else. Well, well, you've 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 highlighted the fact that Spurs are top of the league for quite a while now, John. So we, <laughs> well, they were. Let's put were. I was going to say were top of the league because they definitely aren't anymore. I've got to have my one week in ten years. <laughs> yeah, and it'll yeah, be that's ambitious, actually. It's... Yeah, and it'll be until next time, John, because that's it for this season. You won't be top again. So, but talk us through that save, then, John. What have you done to your? To your arm, what, so what's actually happened to you? Fractured, fractured my radius. Um, it was, I'll tell you what though, it was an imprint like the person that struck the ball, proper half volley from six yards out. And I have just flung my arm up and tipped it round the post. What, what I probably should add it is that it was during a P lesson it, and the shot was from a 13 year old. <laughs> but oh. It was a good save. Uh, it, I mean, a save's a save, though, John. Oh, exactly. you, know, you could be making it at Wembley in front of 90,000, or it could be in a yeah. PE lesson from a 13-year-old. Well, exactly. I'm sure if I, if I was you, I'd put it in my highlights reel. Oh, well, exactly. Oh, what a save. You wouldn't have, you'd have just you'd have just edited out the fact that it was from a 13-year-old and just showed <laughs> the save, John. Perfect. I did, I did brush off that, oh, that really hurt. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Right. Someone else want to go and go... <laughs> yeah, I might, I might have done something. Uh, you can't tell in my voice when yeah. I'm really struggling now. And then, and then to top it off, so I went and sat out in the hockey goal for a bit, just so I could rest my arm. And then all of a sudden, my alarm starts beeping. My blood sugar's gone low. So, oh, okay. How, how am I going to get the lid off my tablets with one hand because I can't really use my other one at the moment? <laughs> wow, what a day, John! What, what a, a day! What a day! Well, thankfully. 
you're on the men now. There's a there's a pathway forward, but it might be a little bit of a while till we see you back 100% and being the cat in goal again. Uh, I, th- I think it might be never you'll see me being the cat in goal. <laughs> Goalkeeping days are over before they began. Yeah. That's... <laughs> <laughs> uh, Long before. Right then, shall we get on with the podcast then? We've got a great guest lined up so talk me through who we've got lined up today then john so joining us today we have a man who i've tried to write and rewrite and rewrite the introduction for however i don't want to ruin any of his stories and what i say about him now won't do him any justice all i'll say is that he's such a vital cog in all that is good about tdfc it's mohammed irfan ismail or mo as he is also known to us mo welcome to the pod Oh, thank you so much for having me on. Um, yeah, it's been an amazing journey and can't wait for this. Um, so much has happened over the last few years. It's It's been amazing, really. It's always been positive, which is kind of great for diabetes. I mean, you hardly hear that. So, yeah, fantastic to be on. Welcome, Mohammed. An absolute pleasure, my friend. And yeah, looking forward to this chat. It's been uh, a chat that we've wanted to have for a while. So, uh, yeah, really pleased that you've been able to join us. Cool. Thanks again. I'm your great host and I hope people are listening to the other episodes because they've been all like really inspiring and, you know, changed a lot of perceptions on diabetes and really given us an idea of um, what what you can achieve if you kind of have the space and you have the environment to do that. So, yeah, I think that's brilliant. Uh, well, I think I want to get started as we do with all our guests. Um, just a little bit about your, your, your diagnosis. You, you were diagnosed quite young, weren't you? Yeah, um, um, I guess I was diagnosed back in sort of the days when diabetes wasn't so well known type one. And it was, I think I was lucky um, with the way it was picked up. Um, it was a tough time in my life. My parents kind of split up around the age of two for me, I think it was. And my mum had just started a new life. So um, I think a few few weeks prior to me being diagnosed, I was extremely dehydrated. Um, it was kind of, have loads of diarrhea. I was drinking loads. Um, I think there's a picture of, there's a video of me actually at my sister's birthday and um, the month before I'm downing loads of like red Coke and just couldn't stop drinking. So um, yeah, I, I kind of, my mum took me to the A&E because I was really unwell and they thought it was a chest infection. And I think it was kind of a fortunate, fortunate sort of thing. I think there was like a CNN nurse that saw me and she was like, hold up, this is not, this is not normal. So done, they've done a few further tests and they're always diagnosed. And yeah, I guess the rest <laughs> is history as we call it. So, so as a two-year-old, obviously your your memories aren't going to be particularly strong about it. What has your what, what's your mum said about about your diagnosis and and sort of how how she how she felt about it and and had to had to deal with it as as you were starting to grow up. I think the the kind of memories I do have as a child were kind of was a lot of them. Um, why me sort of thing like why have I got to have these injections why do I why can't I eat the sweets why can't I do this why can't I do that and I think it's as a child it was a lot harder to grasp back then because there was no you kind of don't have any of example isn't it it's kind of like you've got this thing no one else has and you can't understand why so from my kind of perspective it was that from my mom's perspective she was kind of awesome she kind of took it as her thing to deal with you know she accepted it very quickly which was astonishing um and she always kind of was really on top of it back then, I guess. Things were a lot harder. The incidents weren't as great. 
So it was a lot of our actions were kind of based more on love than science. And I think if the parents listening, if you are kind of listening, sometimes that hurts a bit more because you try so hard sometimes. And when it doesn't work out, it's kind of double the negative impacts because you've just done that to your child, even though it's kind of not your fault. And you then have to take responsibility and, you know, deal with it. So I think for her, like she's kind of got loads of memories of me chewing her fingers off as she's kind of tried her best to stuff, you know, sweets into my mouth. Um, scary scores from um, calls from school when I've fallen ill and all of a sudden she kind of thinks the worst and all of that. So she's kind of emotionally really strong. And I think based on the circumstances which she was kind of in, it was amazing how she kind of got through all that. So credit to her. Um, credit to my sister actually as well, who I've not kind of really spoken about, but it is is tough for another sibling to have experienced that with another child who's kind of given more attention because the parents were worried. So she had to kind of go through that as well. And as she matured as well, she helped my mum a lot as she grew up. So that was, that was phenomenal. I think that made us as a family closer in a way, I guess. Yeah, so that was kind of like a yeah a really touching experience. Yeah, I think that it's really. Um great highlighting on the sibling thing and it's something that I know me and Brighty have chatted about quite a bit of both having siblings and having that like you put it the with us getting that more attention not not through anything that that, that we're done wrong or to be honest a lot of the time it's probably unwanted attention you you don't want your mum or dad or whoever going come on we need to do your injection or we need to test your blood or you've got to eat this it's um yeah, I think it I think it is tough for them. So what what um what are some of your first memories then of of knowing that that, that you've you've got this condition and, and you're gonna have to live with it? Um I think in a funny sort of way of not known otherwise. So it's it's kind of hard to kind of compute the idea that you've got to change something in some way. Um I think I guess earlier on when you're kind of like, why do I have to take the injection? This hurts. And you kind of, there was loads of stories. My mum used to tell me as I grew up about me trying to hide under the table, run away from a blood test. Um, it's because it was so painful and that sort of thing. Um, I think more of as I grew up to understand it, I kind of saw it as, you know, what can I do out of these circumstances? You kind of know when you're going low and you get your hyposcience, you call an adult. Um, you kind of, when you're playing sport, a bit more careful. So I guess you've always had to adapt and that was the normal thing to do. So I, I can't really, I don't know otherwise. So it's really difficult to kind of answer that question, I think. Um, but throughout kind of that journey for about, I think, two decades, really, it's kind of like my own thing, my own little battle. Um, in a way, it made me stronger inside, but it kind of also made me very lonely because I've had to kind of solve my own problems and deal with my own problems in my own sort of way. Um, so that, that has been tough, I think, mentally. And over time, because you can't escape it, it, it does catch up with you eventually, I think. Yeah, no, I completely can relate to, to, to what you're saying there as, as, as someone that was diagnosed at a young age as well. And, and like you said, they're not, not really knowing any different. So when, when you, you started playing football, um, how was, was anyone um, giving you advice? Was it a, a bit of trial and error? how did you find playing football with diabetes um, I think sport in general was a struggle growing up and um, I think schools are a lot better equipped now but back then it was kind of like don't risk that child you know having any sort of extraneous activity there's no there was no kind of 
set plan where you know this is what you do if they have a hypo this is what you have to look out for I was basically told you do the least intense exercise so I had to play in golf for like ages and that, that really frustrated me and I see all these kids running around and you can't do that you're not allowed to do this you're not allowed to do that and I, I felt that was really unfair because um, I kind of as I mentioned before it was something because I hadn't seen the change from not being type one to being type one I, I thought that was it that's just normal for me so it really did frustrate me early on and it you kind of have to, I guess you guys have experienced it as well at some point where you kind of have to work harder to prove yourself. Um, so I think that really frustrated me playing sport. Um, eventually when you did find people that understood, you can kind of, you know, stop playing and say, you know, I, hate, I need the hypo treatment or you can set up some sort of a plan where you play a certain amount of minutes and then test. That kind of got better as I grew older, but I still think, you know, I did really struggle with that over the years. Yeah, and... and- did you was there um a point where you you ever thought do you know what i'll knock it on the head i've i've had enough of this or was it always right do you know what i'm going to keep going i'm not going to let this defeat me yeah i think that's that sort of the sort of thing i learned about exercise earlier on is it the amazing effects it has on your insulin sensitivity so in a rewarding sort of way it meant that i could eat more kind of junk food more yeah. sweet stuff and you're, you're kind of like as long as i play sport my sugars will be a bit better and my insulin sensitivity will be a bit better um but again i i, I always i was like chasing it was like improving so it was kind of like if the other kids can do it and you're saying i can't that's like an incentive to me to say like yeah i'm gonna prove you wrong and like i kept doing that on a consistent basis to a point whereby i kind of through trial and error learned a lot of things about my health um my team my pediatric team was phenomenal they were they're excellent and they they were always there to equip me with a tool to try things out and whenever we'd have reviews we'd be able to discuss them and improve them over time and i think that's that's a gift that a lot of type ones i've met who've had it for a long time haven't had um and through that it's just made me realize that there's so much you can kind of achieve so it's kind of been like a little mission to be like i can prove you wrong i can do this i can get better to a point where a lot of the sport i play these days it's kind of a shock when i tell people i've got type one or at the end of the game where i'm putting my pump back on or you know taking a, a, a glucose reading and like what's that and you're like, oh my god you're diabetic like how can you run so much but from seeing what tv tdfc has done over the years like i've realized that's such a normal thing and that that for me has been so empowering for me changing for a thing where like I've had to be in environments where I've had to work harder to prove myself to environments where that's a normal thing has been like a massive transition. I hear you, Mo. I really, really do hear you with what you just said there. Um, as you will know, I've, after having many conversations with me over the past couple of years, um, trial and error has been a big part of my learning process over the years and also using that that fire, that fuel from having the condition and wanting to continue to prove people uh, wrong about their, maybe their perception or their, their viewpoint or where they're coming from about medical conditions and, and believing that there's a, a weakness or something there that you can't achieve. So it's been a, um, hearing you say that there just brings back so many memories of the things that I learned over the years. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you, saw it that way in a similar way to me and then you've got that mindset and it's probably brought you in and made you such an important cog to what is now the work of the diabetes football community and how you've come about being involved in it and what you do 
within the project itself um that mindset of yours is is one that i think we thrive on and we we sort of utilize amongst many of us to kind of push the project forward so i want to take a step back to that first interaction with the diabetes football community and and where did you find us how did you find us what was those first moments like and and how did you feel when you you came across it you'd been playing like you described there you've been playing for for such a long time you felt you know maybe slightly lonely like you were tackling it on your own especially when it came to sport what was that first moment like all those those uh, first conversations like when you came across it I mean, I, I, funny enough, it was um, something probably touch on a bit later on when I kind of talked to my transition onto how I found kind of TDFC. But it was, it was really, I, I kind of, it was a period of my my kind of life where I, I wanted to know more about type one. It was a really tough time for me. So I kind of reached out to everything, everything online, any kind of type one event I could find. And I saw you present kind of your Dexcom readings at a type one tech event. And I was like, I resonate with that. Um, what you've said, no one has told me but I experienced the same thing. So I came up to you after and I said, you know, this is phenomenal. I can kind of relate to what you're going through. I experienced the same thing. Why don't you create a diabetes football team? <laughs> and you kind of turned around to me and said, there is one. I was like, what, what are you on about? And you go, you know what, where do you live? And I was like, yeah, I'm local, I'm London. And you said, yeah, we're, we're thinking about starting a London project. Um, but we do have this training session in Western. I was thinking, you know, I got to travel across the country, you know, what, what kind of a thing is it going to be? And, from my background of seeing other type ones before kind of this project um, it's always been kind of negative. It's always been someone who's kind of got complications or stuck in a rut or, you know, can't manage it. So I was a bit apprehensive and I kind of thought, well, I'm probably going to turn up to this. Um, and I'm probably going to be the guy holding the LucasAid for people really um, probably seeing people collapse because they can't handle sport or, you know, I thought it was going to be something like that. And, I think the thing that touched me the most was the, the, the togetherness of people, how they kind of function, how it was like normal to play sport, how it was normal to stop if your shakers went low, people giving each other tips. And the, the thing about, the thing that struck me was people had traveled across the country to do this. Um, I mean, some people have to travel, drive like six hours to get there and you're like, wow, you know, they're carrying on, they're thriving, they're teaching other people. And I just feel, wow, like, why haven't I felt or seen this before? Like, throughout my whole life, it's just, it was, at that time, it was, it was sort of unbelievable. I thought, I thought, you know, they can't be type one, surely. <laughs> it's too good for us to do that. But then, like, you kind of get to realise, you get to meet people, you get to talk to them, you get to hear their stories. And you've got a group that has, you know, that's gone through so many barriers of, like, age, race, location, occupation, background. And I thought that was so empowering. I thought, well, like, you know, I don't feel out of place and I feel open to talk about anything really. So that was great. I mean, compared to the rest of the guys, my footballing ability is not great, but over the years that's improved. Just seeing how you guys play, being mentored by some of you, I mean, being phenomenal. So, yeah, I think that was a kind of perception changing moment. I think that's, that's a kind of the best way I can kind of describe it. Um, yeah. Um, that was powerful. And when you you came to that first session in Worcester, what was your feelings like maybe on the morning, the first time you would come in, and then how things developed throughout the session? You, you know, you described there about how it changed your perception. 
how does it flip your perception in in such a short amount of time because I remember talking to you before and after and yeah you were emotional about it you were um motivated inspired you were yeah you'd done a like a, a full 180 on on the way that you viewed and talked about diabetes and you couldn't believe that this existed so how does that happen in such a short space of time i think if you've if you've had kind of a condition or you've grown up or you've had type one it's for me it's like an instinctive thing because i've not known otherwise and just in the way people conduct themselves in kind of the way they do things you know they know when to test everything's available um the way they talk about their condition in a positive way um the way they kind of joke around about how kind of that your typo here or there um you know it's just the normal thing and i think normalizing that and then having people in an environment where they can kind of overcome some of the the hurdles that they go through that's something i've never seen before and i kind of felt wow like how, how have you managed to kind of do this and talking to you kind of after and getting to know you, you guys as people it's not even something you're trying to do and that's what I found it's almost like magic really you're getting these amazing outcomes based on people just turning up playing sport and sharing a few experiences and kind of from my background in healthcare um, let's take some of the statistics we see today just to pull it out into perspective I mean you hear about diabetes and you, you, you're like, yeah, the NHS spends about 10% of its budget on diabetes, but 80% of that budget is just on complications. And all of a sudden you're here in a place and you're like, you know, you've got Peachy just there talking about his injury, but he's overcome that. You've got, you know, people like Scott who, who's on here before he talks about his incident, how he's managed to change that. And that's so empowering to see that not only have people taken that on board, but they've made it their own. Not only have they done that, but they've then gone on to inspire other people. And it's, it's, I don't know how to describe it. It's just out of this world. So from my healthcare perspective, I'm told those are the best outcomes you're going to get. But when joining TDFC and seeing what you can achieve, it's a totally different ball game. That's, that's the best way I can describe it. It's just so different. And I don't think people can appreciate it until they experience it, which is why I'm so, you know, passionate I am to kind of bring people to these sessions because you can't describe it it's it's out of this world and i obviously as somebody heavily behind the project massively appreciate you talking about it in a way like that mo it means a lot to me obviously having been the man that sort of started it off and ticked it all off but uh, i i see my role now as handing it over to people like you and people like peachy and those that are just as passionate as me so we share in that um that ethos and that direction and that drive to continue the good work that we've already started. I, I believe it's a shared objective now, rather than just something that I I'd ticked off and wanted to get started. I, I believe there's many of us now that are wanting to, to push and inspire and educate and raise awareness and, and all of the things that I wanted to do when, when I started it. So it, it's been a, been an amazing part seeing people like yourself get involved and the impact that it's had and I've described it a few times as magic as well because I kind of knew what I was doing with it Mo I kind of had a feeling of how it would play out and um, I felt that the use of a tool and a if you like in sport and through something I knew well in football and futsal could be a real big plug and a, and a bit of a, a game changer to 
to get people to engage in their condition in a way that they hadn't maybe before. And it certainly felt like something that when I was growing up would be the, the key game changer really to get me to talk to other people with, with the condition and, and how that then transpired after that was not something I could envisage. I just knew that I thought football or futsal combined with diabetes would have an impact I didn't foresee then what would come as a result after that. I think it would have been difficult to second guess it, but what has happened after it is has been pretty amazing. And I wanted to kind of touch on some of those things with you, Mo, as I know you're hugely involved now with what we do um, in those developments that have, uh, that have come and, and things like our WhatsApp group, right? So, for, for anybody out there who doesn't realise, we've obviously got a number of different WhatsApp groups that we'd use to support people. So we've got, um, it's all for adults currently, but we've got one that's set up for sort of 70 to 80, I think now, um, men that are living with type one. And it stre- stretches from the UK to Ireland at the moment currently. And um, then we've got one for the players group as well for those that are involved with the UK team but you Mo you've obviously been involved in that WhatsApp group for a while so I just wondered if you could sort of give a little bit of insight about what it's like being in a in a WhatsApp group with 70 to 80 other guys that are passionate about football or futsal that are living with type one and and share so much um, commonality with you. I think I think the the magical thing, and I see use the word magic, <laughs> got to stop using that word. But the great thing about having the WhatsApp group is it offers so much. Like sometimes when you see the post of TDFC football on social media, you kind of think of it as like athletic guys running rounds, kicking a ball who've got type one. Um, and it's so much more than that. We've got, like you mentioned, 70 to 80 people ranging from, you know, all ages. Um, I don't know what the age limit is. What was it like 16 to I'm not going to give away Tim's age. <laughs> so um, I think we've got a little yeah. bit older than Tim now as well. So yeah, we're, we're really stretching the ages out. And Eight, sorry, 84, Tim. I think Tim is. What was that? <laughs> 84, I think. Last <laughs> sorry, Tim, we've battered you again on the podcast. But um, yeah, no, I, I believe we've got somebody in the group that's into their 60s. Phenomenal. I mean, you got you got to look and I think we done a rough estimate, didn't we, the other um, couple of months ago when we thought it was well over 600 years of type 1 experience in a group of people who are kind of only a few months diagnosed to a few decades. And on top of that, you've got the football banter going on. You've got, like, you know, loads of... I think the majority of us are Arsenal fans. <laughs> going to put that out there because you see a lot of Arsenal comments there's, on there. There's a real... We need to... If there's anybody <laughs> listening that's not an Arsenal fan that's re- got type 1 and is interested in football, please come and help us readdress the balance. Please. Or, or, or you're, if you're an Arsenal fan and you've got type 1, you can't join the group. The <laughs> great. We've, I think we might have run our quota. It's gone. I think, Mo, I think we've got too many now. Maybe it's one. Maybe it's one of the risk factors now, Chris. You kind of have to push it in the NHS now if you're an Arsenal fan. <laughs> <laughs> and you yeah. kick a ball. <laughs> but yeah, I think the, the great thing is you can have banter on there, which is kind of the jokey side of it. Um, but I think one of the biggest highlights we saw over the last year and a half was the, what we did during COVID. And I thought that was, you know, it, it kind of evolved into, into a group where you had people across the country who've got different professions, different years of diagnosis, 
um, different experiences all running into issues and people were kind of confused and, you know, they asked for odd helps of support here. Some people had emotional kind of issues. Some people had mental health issues. Some people run down with their jobs and you've got a network here where people are in different places where they, they went out of their way to reach out. And I thought that was phenomenal um, to see that someone could post anything about, you know, type one or their well-being, and someone would jump on reply and help them out. And I think being part of that group is kind of the overall project is phenomenal, but having that as kind of, you know, a thing to go to is, is out of this world, really. It's, you get questions asked on there about, you know, my insulin is not working. What do I do? Or, you know, I've run into this problem. I can't speak to this healthcare professional who can direct me to someone who can kind of help me out. And being part of that, um, for, as a type one, um, who's a football fan is, is just amazing. Um, obviously, on top of that, you've got people that um, formed bonds on that group as well. A couple of months ago, we had um, two people that lived about 10 minutes away from each other that never knew each other without this group. So there's that networking side of it as well. Also, from that, um, obviously, you've got people from different professions who can kind of help each other. I've got loads of teachers on there. You've got, you know, healthcare professionals like myself who can kind of direct people if they need help. Um yeah, I mean, you've got teachers, well, it's, it's, it's a real hub that's grown. And I think that the credit to, to the way you guys have run the project, it's grown in a safe way. It's non-judgmental. Um, people are willing to help. And it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of formed a great kind of hub for, you know, open any, put in any question. You're not going to be judged. You're not going to be criticized. People are going to help you out if they can't they're going to direct you safely to someone who can. And I think having that level of support at your fingertips is, is astonishing. Yeah. That WhatsApp group is something that I am incredibly proud of. And it is another thing that stemmed without intention. Um, I didn't set out to go and create a WhatsApp group. It just felt like something natural as part of, you know, the diabetes football community project amongst many of the other projects that we are running to support people with the condition. So it helps me massively through COVID. It helps everyone. At some point, you will have a question. And because of, like you said, Mo, the levels of experience, the variety of um, occupations, the variety of ages that people are, um, the experiences with type one from people with complications through to people that have just been diagnosed. They're just, they're, there is almost no question that somebody with type one can't give you some sort of answer for. And to have that, like you said, Mo, at your fingertips and at your disposal of those that are, passionate about the things you are in terms of football and living with your condition it's another thing which i'm going to use the word again Mo. It's magic um it really is because it's hard to really sum sum up in another word because it was never there before it's like we've magicked it out of thin air because it wasn't there before this hasn't existed before and we're stumbling across this for the first time we're making these things happen for the first time and I'm incredibly proud that we're leading along those lines and, and we get to develop those sorts of things. And um, another thing that we have developed and another thing which is, and another project, if, if you like, that is ongoing at the moment and is developing really nicely is our 
TDFC London team, Mo. So it's for anybody listening, it is our our team, which is um, affiliated to the diabetes football community, run by the guys that are all situated in the London area. And they are the first uh, all type one team to represent diabetes, if you like, in futsal in a mainstream league where they play against others without the condition. So, Mo, I just wondered if you could talk us through what that's been like. I know you've just started off with a couple of fixtures. You want to talk us through how they, how they've been going and in general, your sort of involvement with that project. Yeah, just going to first give a shout out to Brennan, Jack and Scott as well, who've done amazing work to kind of bring it into life. Um, and I think to, to get to represent a condition that's rarish, I guess, or, or I guess you can say it's, even within diabetes, it's quite a rare condition to have to get people consistently playing um, in a professional league uh, week in, week out. That's, that's just an achievement in itself, just to have that. But I think what's, what's been inspiring from that is that, again, it's, it's, it's kind of the ethos is how we take type one. We've kind of like, how can we make it better? I mean, obviously, when you start something at the beginning, it's going to be rocky. I mean, we got battered like crazy for a few games. We learned we learned the hard way. It was a steep learning curve. Um, and slowly we got feedback. Slowly we kind of improved. Slowly we kind of reached out to more people. Slowly we got more media attention. Slowly we kind of helped other people who didn't have access to diabetes technology. And like, you know, have you tried this? Have you kind of contacted your team to get this? And it just, it just grew and grew and grew and grew. And obviously COVID, because of COVID, we couldn't play and all that. But it's something I would look forward to my weekend. I'd be like, yeah, I've had a, a rubbish week at work or, you know, these things have been challenging. But I'm going to be with my type one peers, you know, we're the underdogs probably most of the time in these games, but we're going to fight with each other. We're going to support each other. Um, and whatever happens, we're going to come better away from it. And I think through that ethos and through that kind of, community we kind of built um we got better over time we bought better players and and i mean the first week we started a couple of weeks ago we we won our first game still rusty because we all hadn't all played with each other um but it's refreshing to see some of the guys i haven't seen in you know a year and a half especially Bryn, who's obviously um traveled abroad during covid and got stuck for a few months that was amazing just you know hanging around with them this week we played unfortunately we lost three nil but the thing that stood out for me is from second one to the last second, we never gave up. It's like, we got this together, whatever happens, we're going to get through it. Um, and I think it, it kind of shows that, you know, there's other teams I play with as well. I, I try to play a lot of football to keep fit. Um, and a lot, of the, a lot of the teams, once they're losing kind of 2-0 or they see it turning sour, they just give up. And I think that's testament to, maybe it's a diabetes thing, maybe it's the way we've kind of brought up and kind of instilled this in people. We do not give up. And um, if you're struggling, we're here for you. You know, if you want to take a break, come off. Um, if you can't make it, what can, what can we do to make it better for you? And I think, I think one, one of the highlights of last week was um, one of the other guys who turned up who was new, never knew what Libre was. Someone lent him a Libre. And the guy's messaged me, um, I'm not going to name him because I haven't got his permission, but he's messaged me today and he goes, you know, what can I ask my healthcare professionals to do? Because I love this device. And that's just from him turning up. Granted, we lost. Granted, it was his first game. Um, he's a Spurs fan, not <laughs> so I made it to let him know about that. But like we had the banter going on. But he's become his potentially. We've, we've 
allowed his care to get better over time just through that one interaction. And hell yeah, he's going to come back. He goes, maybe I can't make next week. Yeah, but I'd love to come back. You know, it's a great buzz. It's a great feeling. Um, and yeah, granted, we didn't get the result, but we've made someone else's life better from that. And I think that's that's so inspiring. Yeah, sometimes the objective or the result isn't always about winning the game or, you know, winning that match in sport for us. I see the objective and the goal there, Mo, is you've helped to open somebody's eyes to something that's potentially life-changing. And that is worth its weight in 20 wins and a league title and more. So, yeah, the, the impact that TDFC London is having and continues to have is huge. And again, like you said, Mo, just to reiterate a big thank you to those that have, have led and, and supported it with those shout-outs. You're absolutely spot on, Scott, Jack, Bryn, how they've gone about delivering it and continue to help and support is, is massive. And we've got more fixtures coming up. So um, I know I'm going to be attending at least one of those fixtures to try and support the lads. And it's, um, it's massive. And like you said there, Mo, we're, we're, we're helping to turn the dial in a, in another way. You know, I'm sure you'll get asked different questions as well. When you go to these games, you you know, you might be underdogs, but at the end of the day, as you quite rightly said, the strength, the resilience, the grit that I think, I do believe is is instilled in people with type one diabetes, especially those that are, are battling away in sport, is is not something that can be taught very easily. And you guys are just showing it in in bucket loads down at that um, in the London Futsal League. So I'm delighted you're all back involved. Um, I'm really excited to see where the future is because there's so many more new faces getting involved and the squad's developing and more people are becoming aware of it. So it's really exciting to see it back and um, continuing to, to grow and hopefully thriving. And, and who knows, maybe in the future, we go beyond everybody's expectations and, and we, you know, we might win the title one day, but, but that's obviously not our, our primary objective as you know, the primary objective for me is just to ensure that you have a great environment you uh, enjoy yourselves and most importantly you look after each other and um, that's what you know we're built upon in terms of the diabetes football community we're going to take a little bit of a break now Mo from the serious stuff and we're going to go on to talking through some questions you are a regular listener to the podcast as I know so you'll be expecting what's coming up next but I don't think you'll be able to second guess the question. So here they are, <laughs> 90 seconds of questions with Mr. Peach. Mr. Peach, what have you got lined up for him? Oh, I've got, I've got, they're basically going to be all anti-Arsenal. I knew that. Straight, straight <laughs> no, I've, I've not this time. I, I, like I said, I'm, I'm not into talking the fact that we're above you in the league, especially as Tottenham play Arsenal this weekend and I'm dreading what's going to happen and the abuse that's going to come my way. Um, but no, so just 90 seconds, just give your first answer, no explanation needed. Um, yeah, hopefully they're not too tricky. Right then, guys, I have got the timer ready. So in, Tell us when to go, Brighty. Yeah, so in three, two, one, go. Who was your hero growing up? My mum. Favourite chocolate bar? Probably Cadbury's Whole Nut. Uh, what's your recommended hypo treatment? 
the red coke at the moment. Uh, pineapple on a pizza? Oh, younger, yes. Now, no. I'll say no. Good answer. Tea or coffee? Coffee at the moment. Uh, Favourite holiday destination? Oh, we'll probably be back home in Tanzania. Uh, Xbox or PlayStation? Uh, got an Xbox this time around, so go with that. Nice. What book are you currently reading? Um, what have I got on my... I'm learning coding at the moment so it's about algorithms i've forgotten the name on it nice what was the first job you ever had um it's probably in, in the pharmacy shop doing like over-the-counter sales what would be your dream job obviously footballer isn't it <laughs> <laughs> um favorite color blue sky blue uh, what did you want to be when you were growing up i'm a pharmacist i achieved that and I don't want to change my career now. So I want to look into going to digital healthcare. Brilliant. And um, what's the first thing you'd buy if you won the lottery? Oh, McLaren F1. Uh, Arsenal winning the league or England winning the World Cup? Oh, I think it's because um, it's probably less achievable for Arsenal. <laughs> Timer. Timer. Good answers, Mo. Yeah, some strong answers there, Mo. Um, we're going to move on to now talking a little bit around um, the impact of COVID. So, and how that sort of impacted on yourself, um, how you felt it impacted on the diabetes football community um, as well. So, if we start off with just talking a little bit around how the last let's call it the last 18 months or so with the pandemic, how that's impacted upon your management of type one diabetes and, um, and dealing with that in these circumstances. Yeah. I think with any, yeah, every type one will kind of tell you that there's so many different factors that affect your, your health, mental, physical, spiritual, you know, that far, you know, emotional wellbeing. Um, so yeah, had, had a huge impact. I just wanted to, say my workplace were quite good about it um they were very protected of me um i know people some people struggled with that but they they kind of set the thing out like we don't know what this is this is the safest option and you know from the experience i have i kind of wanted to do other jobs um but they kind of put the hard line on it your safety is our priority so credit to them they gave me kind of a job where i kind of wasn't patient facing i wasn't at risk um but as you you full well know i think when you're in healthcare and when things are kind of going on, you want to read up about, you want to know, you want to see if everyone's doing all right. So um, for me, it's just my general nature that I kind of love seeing, you know, people being well, people being all right. So on that side, it was extremely challenging. I mean, the world didn't know what was going on. Healthcare, health guidelines kept changing every other day at the beginning of it. You saw these kind of tabloid newspapers talking about death rates and scary things that were going on. Um, and I guess that, that, impacted people in a way that was unprecedented we've never had to deal with that um and that obviously has an impact on your health so yeah for me at the beginning it was kind of the anxieties of you know we don't know what's going on seeing the news and seeing the amount of people that are at risk and we as type ones were a really vulnerable group be mindful of that you know people messaging you family calling you like what do we do what's going on and you kind of having to take a step back and be like okay um, I don't know, like the experts don't know at this point in time, 
we're going to have to be patient. We're going to have to get through this. But I think, I think the probably the biggest thing I learned during that period was was how vulnerable and human we all are, and that we do need each other. And tying into that, from what kind of TDFC did during that period was amazing. It we we kind of saw that people were struggling with levels. People were struggling to contact their teams because they were so busy dealing with the amount of people that had to go into hospital the amount of specialist diabetes um, clinicians that had to kind of change their job roles and they couldn't kind of support people with diabetes. We had a lot of example on that, of that in, in the WhatsApp group, I guess people were like, I need this. Like I've got a review, but no one's messaged me. I've gone for my eye screening. What's going on. And I guess at the time with everyone in the world, there's a lot of panic. And I think that's where kind of this group really shone in a way that, People did what they could within their capacity. You had yourself doing loads on social media, Peachy putting out loads of messages, um, Calvin trying to get people online to play some stuff. Um, you got myself kind of posting updates on diabetes. You got people shouting out on each other, is everyone all right? You know, if we hadn't heard from someone in a few days, someone would message. If anyone fell ill, they'd kind of put it on the group and would kind of be like, you know, just give us some updates if you're all right. If you need anything, we can direct you. I think Tim and there were some other people um, that helped out during kind of the furlough periods where like people don't know what to do, what rights do they have. Um, teachers as well. We had a lot of teachers on that group and you're thinking about, you know, isolating jobs. So I think that that support was phenomenal. Um, and kind of people went in their own on that side where, you know, they took it upon themselves to, you know, help each other out. Like it wasn't something that was asked for. People just kind of lent a hand out. And it, it really shows what, what communities can achieve. And I think amongst all that panic and anxiety and everything, we got through it and, you know, it wasn't easy. But I think, I personally think for myself, what helps me about the TDFC group was you had stress at work where you're running through all this stuff that you've got to see, you've got to see, you know, people dying, like you're stressed out of work, you're working double, you come home and, you know, you just got an environment where you can kind of share things, you know, and people would be there to listen to you. And I think that's that's a massive thing for your well-being. People, people who can understand you without you having to explain yourself. And yeah, I think it it kind of motivated me to, you know, when you're in a kind of dark place or a dark tunnel, and even when you can't see the light at the end of it, you know, you're journeying that with people that are moving forward. And I think that that was really powerful. And I think, yeah, I think more people need to see that and understand that um, the power of kind of group dynamics of, you know, helping each other out in, in a human sort of way. It doesn't have to be something miraculous or heroic. It just has to be, you know, checking up on people. How are you? You know, haven't heard from you for a while. Like, um, how are you recovering? And, you know, it makes a massive difference. I, I think you've, you, you, you're hitting the nail on the head there, Mo, and the, you're, you're talking there about the, the peer support. Um, and for me, what, it was one of the things that I, I first noticed about you um, when you're in the group and just the, um, the support and the encouragement that, that, that you were giving to others. Um, and, and it was incredible just during lockdown, seeing how people would just turn to you um, and we we recognise that at our, at our last training session, and you've actually you're actually the only person that's ever been presented with one of the TDFC training shirts because 
I know I speak on behalf of, of everyone in that WhatsApp group that the 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 pit the support that you've offered to everyone not just during lockdown but I think lockdown was when people really realised the importance of having that that WhatsApp group and the, and, and the peer support um, just the the answers that that you give to people and, and and the questions that you pose them is is so so important and and, and it's been clear to see from you doing that that the peer support is something that is absolutely massive to you um where where did that um sort of that that feeling of actually this is what we need where did that come from was that personal experience was that um in relation to your job is it, is it just something you thought do you know what I, I want to sort of not necessarily take on this role because I don't know if you I don't think you did it deliberately I think you, you sort of subconsciously that's your personality of, of, of wanting to help out and uh, and just offer advice to, to people that need it I think yeah it's it is a combination of things and my, my personal view on diabetes as it's managed today is it's personally it's not good enough I mean what frustrates me in my job you know my day job I, I kind of go to work and I see a lot of people stuck in ruts um, within their conditions and I understand our healthcare systems under enormous pressure you know funding's not great um you know the resources aren't there and I what what hurts me the most is you know instinctively as a diabetic you can tell that when things aren't going to work out for someone um and then not kind of having the power to be able to change that and that that really hurt me as well um granted I I growing up I kind of had that mentality of my health wanting to get better over time and I, I appreciate not everyone has that um but my kind of mindset about health is you should be able to give people the foundations and the tools to be able to manage their healthcare safely and from that kind of platform it is up to them which direction they take it and I think in healthcare at the moment especially for diabetes um and even looking at you know lifestyle medicine and all that we're, we're not there yet we're a long way away from that. Um, but what what really hurts me um, within diabetes is there is a lot of people stuck in these positions where they can't get out of. And unfortunately, in medicine, when when those sort of situations are repeated over time, people do get labelled. So you often have people labelled as you know you know someone with learning difficulties. That's why they can't manage it, or you know someone's non-compliant or non-adherent, and they just get tagged on with that. And, you know, sometimes it's really heartbreaking reading through people's medical notes to see the journey of how they've gotten there. And unfortunately, a lot of the times in medicines, people are stuck, kind of stuck at that point. Um, so it was kind of a period of time in my life where I, I kind of got really frustrated and I kind of felt, you know, why is my healthcare different to most people that I know or most type ones that I know? Um, why am I the odd one out? So unfortunately what I ended up doing it was kind of a really bad move I kind of looked through people's notes and was like to myself those negative those negative behaviors that are attributed to those people could I replicate those within myself and still manage my condition well um and I went down this really dangerous kind of path where I kind of you know used my my knowledge of medicine and kind of pharmacy to be like well insulin works in this sort of way can I cut down the number of times I test or you know can I miss this can I not do that and unfortunately, what happened over time was I kind of pushed the limits as far as it could go. Um, and I was okay. And I, I kind of felt, you know, that's my way of surviving. I can kind of not deal with a condition 
and still not feel guilty because I can't do anything for these people. We're kind of in the same boat. And it's, you know, I accepted that for, I think it was about two or three years really. Um, but, you know, I carried on with life as it was. And it was a very kind of bad place to be. If you think about long-term care and health, that's a very, very bad place to be because not only are healthcare professionals not picking up that you've got an issue, um, you yourself are kind of running at a steady rate where you're not going backwards or forwards. Um, so, you know, um, that's kind of what inspires me to kind of make the most of these groups. Like the TD, TDFC is one of those things I kind of volunteer in because I've seen the power of what it can do, the power of peer support. I mean, I just bring it out to you. Like when I was a kid growing up, I was told don't go into football because if you get injured, that's your career ruined. And I'm, I come up to these training sessions and I see yourself, I see Brighty, I see JT, numerous injuries over the years, but you've got over it. You've managed and you've carried on that so empowering. Um, you sit through it and you, you kind of listen to, you know, Scott posting about his running and you're like, wow, you know, I want some of that. Like, how does he do that? And when you see people's stories and you look to it, it's not rocket science. It's steps that they've taken to do that. And I, I want the world to have that. And I think once you create or you build peer support environments like that, you know, you've covered that safety boundary. You've covered that boundary where people's health is safe and then you can then take it to the next level. What can you now achieve? And I think within diabetes today, there is that kind of gap where we haven't reached that safety point yet. And it's really, really, really difficult to change from within. However, I've seen kind of peer support groups be able to do that. And like, I understand it's probably because we have more time with people. We can relate to people a lot more. You know, I can chat to you about an injury you've had and be like, how's your levels gone? And what have you done? And you'd be like, okay, I got an infection, so my levels have changed. Oh, well, just because of my injury, I'm not as mobile as I used to be. So that's what's changed. And that's, that's so empowering because it's personal and it's relatable. And I think that's kind of why I'm so passionate about peer support. I mean, you come to these sessions and you, you sit down at the beginning when Brighty and yourself are giving talks and what's going to happen on the day. And you look around you in a room and you've got people that have driven like six, seven hours. You've got professional footballers that play, you know, you've got um, people that played like games, like no man's business. And they carried on with their lives as normal. And I think the, one of the most empowering things for me is despite all these people challenges and all the things that they have to go through, they still have to deal with the rubbish that you have to deal with every day and they get on with it. And I think that, that for me is probably the most inspiring thing. I can learn something from um, Ross or I can learn something from JT. I can learn something from Stannis. I can learn something from yourself. Um, and that's where I think um, peer support kind of thrives. And that's why I'm so passionate about it because I've seen the change it brings in people. And I've also seen the other side of it when people's health or emotional state doesn't go so well, what support is available to bring them back up. And I just want to bring this point out because we've talked about a lot about the positive stuff that we do. Um, I just want to talk about the safety side of it. Um, and I know a lot of clinicians are worried about what these groups do. Um, and we've always been open and honest and we've moder moderated it quite well where we, we kind of talk to as much help as we can give. And we always refer to professionals when that person needs to be referred. So I think there's that kind of safety element about it as well, is that, you know, we're there to help you out, but we know where the limits are. So I think that's, that's, that's just brilliant. It, it's, it's, I found that just really emotional 
just just listening to how passionate you are about it and and the reasons why and at the same time just thinking of all the the people who I've seen you have those interactions with um and it's something that I think do you know what I I love seeing that in the group I, I love it when someone poses a question and um in, invariably you'll give the answer but the 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 knock-on effect that has to others and and just the the confidence that other people have to to give those answers now as well and and, and it's not uh, it's incredible the way it's not just right this person said it that's the first answer that's got to be the way you can someone can pose a question um about something to do with their levels or their insulin and you can have three or four different answers because you've got three or four different experiences as well and and just for me just seeing that other people knowing that there's other people going through that same struggle that you might be going through or has got those same questions or, or things that they're not sure about um it, it's just incredible and and i see you on on social media as well and um, quite often on a wednesday night just being very honest and and open and and supportive again of of people so so it's we see you not just doing it in the diabetes football community but but out there to to people that you've never met before as well and 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 you you probably will never meet but your the the importance that you put on being able to offer advice to people is is great and and massive and i think it's like i said before um it's something that you bring to the group and I, and, I, and I think you're you're finally realizing the how important you are to to so many people in that group and I'm gonna have to stop being nice to you because I keep remembering you're an Arsenal fan and <laughs> just keep coming back to that no I, I think it's yeah just, just seeing how passionate and, and hearing how passionate you are about that peer support is it's absolutely incredible so just massive thank you on, on behalf of everyone who who has benefited from from your support whether it, it's someone who you, you've directly replied to or, or whether it's someone that's read a reply to you uh, sorry i read a reply from you and just thought ah, oh, yeah do you know what i might try that so it's just keep up that great work mate it's it's oh, absolutely incredible i mean with yeah i, I, I think what it works kind of both ways as well. I've learned so much from you guys. I've said you've, you've challenged so many stigmas. Um, you know, growing up, I was told this is a narrative for type one. This is a narrative for diabetes. And you guys have gone in and smashed that. I mean, Scott's running. He does like regular marathons around the world for fun. <laughs> and then he's, he's, got, he's got the audacity to boast his sugar levels after. <laughs> you can learn so much just from that. And I mean, yeah, I mean, talks from you guys, um, yeah, we've got professional footballers on there talking about their struggles. You've got people talking about the emotional struggles. You've got kind of the more experienced lot. Um, I think we had a, we had a, yeah, we had like loads of stuff on health inequalities as well across the country. Some people posting about the technology that have, and other people like, well, why don't I have that? And we've been able to direct them and challenge a few decisions to change that. And I think it's so empowering to know that you know you've got a group of people that you can kind of go to and then you're not alone and they're on this journey together to kind of learn from each other people you know for me 
um, education and knowledge, that's kind of relative, isn't it? It's based on kind of your experience, what you know, what you've been told. I mean, I, I posted something the other day about my eyes. I thought, you know, I thought I was mm-hmm. getting an eye complication. Um, but, you know, from my health background, I know that I, I, I make sure I get seen as soon as I can. It turned out I've got tiny specks in the front of my eye that are not related to my type one, you know, but just being able to express and share that on the WhatsApp group. And, you know, maybe it will help someone, you know, if they feel slightly worried about their health to get seen quicker and make them a bit more proactive to be like, let me get this checked out. At least, you know, worst case scenario is diabetes, but it's going to be treated sooner. Best case scenario, it's not diabetes related and that anxiety has gone off my head. So I think there is, there is that element of it as well. Um, and for me, even though kind of I work in healthcare and I've got access to all this stuff, um, there is still so much I don't know. And I still look up to kind of you guys and Tim, Tim, who's, you know, post so much stuff out there. who has got so much experience, lived experience that we all can kind of relate to. Um, that for me has been so empowering. Um, also my, you know, learning from how you guys adjust your exercise. That's something I've tried out. I've tried different ways of solving that and seeing from what you guys do and what you achieve. That's, that's been empowering for me too. And I just want to echo everything that Peachy said about you, Mo. Um, since you've come on board, since we were connected to each other at that tech conference in, I believe it was February 2019, so we're probably two and a half years ago. Since that moment, you've just been a breath of fresh air in the way that you've um, come in and you've taken literally everything in like a sponge you've just tried to learn as much as you can from everybody almost without fail you know there'll be a question posed there'll be um, an explanation of a certain situation you'll be trying to learn from others and then just trying to test it out yourself and then as you test things out yourself as you learn more and more your desire to continue to empower inspire and then educate others it it i can only say it inspires me as well mo because um as much as i'm delighted that i've been able to start this project it's people like you that continue to give me the fire to want to push and do more and continue to grow what we've already got which is amazing and our uh, sing it from the rooftops I'll tell anybody I believe it's amazing and and something that's fresh and different and never been done before and we're I believe showing a new way to how things can be done in healthcare how peer support is for me part of the treatment pathway for healthcare and for outcomes for people with diabetes something which I believe needs to be expanded further and I wanted to touch on this, Mo, because, and, and that point specifically, because we're now involved in a rather um, significant project, which we hope in the future is going to have a large scale impact, for, certainly for those in England to begin with. And I hope more widely than that, when we prove how important it is, the work that we're doing. So I wondered if you could just give everybody an idea about what we're up to at the moment and also um in terms of that project your view on where you where you see your involvement in that idea of peer support in the future and, and, and what's your 
your future aspirations for both the diabetes football community and peer support more widely? I mean, yeah, we've, we've kind of been fortunate and we've dived into a, a project that's, yeah, an NHS England-led project where they're looking to um, kind of build a platform where people can have access to peer support. So we know that out there in the type one world, there is a lot of peer support in England, but people just don't know about it. And that's both on and offline. Um, during kind of my journey of looking for type one groups, I, I, I kind of joined like as many as I could on Facebook, on Twitter, not so much on Instagram, because um, I'm not too active on there. Um, so what, what we're involved in is we're looking to kind of build standards for peer support groups. We're looking to inspire people, you know, if they have an idea or if they feel that they can use any sort of medium or interest to kind of bring people together um, under some sort of hobby, um, bring people together to help and support them with that and type one, you know, to create open environments where there's non-judgmental support. Um, people are there to kind of help each other out, have casual chats or meetups. So we're looking to streamline that process and then build official NHS pathways where clinicians can refer to these groups. And I think one of the great examples we saw from kind of our meetings together was the um, HIV community and what they've achieved from using these mediums and the power it provides and the outcomes as well. I mean, we in TDFC, the funny thing is I, off the top of my head, I guess, for experience, looking at my job in healthcare, I think the outcomes of TDFC are amazing compared to what I do in my job. Um, but as again, we, we're not quantifying it. It's not something we're targeting. So I think there's definitely a space within type one for that, for clinicians that are listening. And um, obviously we kind of have more time and we can relate to people a bit more simply because we, you know, these, these people are football fans for our, for our kind of example. There's also, you know, pregnancy groups. There's also type one chat groups. There's also, you know, art groups out there. So it's a, it's a space that's new and upcoming. And I think, TDFC is a fantastic example of what you can achieve. Unfortunately, we, I guess it was never an intention to kind of build great outcomes. I think we're getting great outcomes. We don't have a way to measure it yet. So we're working on building tools to do that. Um, so the future for me, I think it would be great to have a search engine where, you know, if you type one and you need diagnosed, you know, where do I go? Do I have people like me? Am I the odd one out? So you can just go on and, you know, you can do find stuff that's online, find meetups in person. Maybe it's a pump group, maybe it's a pub group. Maybe it's a football group, you know, maybe it's an art group, maybe it's a movie group. Whatever's out there, that will be a reality one day. And I think the fact that we're there driving it and we can use TDFC as, you know, as an example of success, I think that speaks a lot for itself. And I think maybe in a few months when we kind of get more time, we can get testimonials of what you've been able to see change in people without intentionally kind of making that an agenda i think that's that's what's priceless in these sort of environments absolutely and i can't think of a better testimonial to the success of peer support than somebody like yourself mo and the way that the diabetes football communities has helped you and, and brought you on this journey and this path and i just wondered obviously that was your aspirations for that project what what do you see as your you know your aspirations for the future as an individual, what would you like to achieve or, or what, what do you see maybe as your future? 
um, myself, I, I guess I kind of wanted want to go into health tech. So I'm, I'm, I've done a tech diploma and I've learned how to code. And I, I kind of want to combine um, those things together. Personally, I think I would love to be involved in a kind of culture change in healthcare. I, I want to, I want to be working with people that are looking for kind of sustainable healthcare outcomes. I think with, let's say specifically with the diabetes world, I'd love to see the foundations well, but I'd love to see us working on projects where we empower patients to automatically think about safer decisions for themselves. And then beyond that, it's up to them where they want to go. Um, you know, TDFC's done that here. Like how many examples can we bring off of people that, you know, have solved a few minor issues with their insulin or, you know, the technology they use and all of a sudden they're achieving phenomenal things in their work life and their physical well-being and emotional well-being. Um, I, I kind of want that. And I think we're still far away in healthcare and I, I want to be involved in that. So health tech's kind of one way of doing it. I think the diabetes kind of communities I'm part of and part of London Clinical Networks. I volunteer a lot online on the chat groups. If anyone kind of needs help, I'm always kind of scouting people online as well. If I see someone have a picture of a football shirt up or anything, I just message them and be like, have you heard of TDFC? <laughs> we, have, we had a great story of someone who'd been diabetic for 35 years and had never kind of, he said he only met a few people of type one and all of a sudden he turned up to one of your sessions and, you know, it's changed his life forever now. And that's, that for me is what I'm about. And I, I love seeing or I love having the ability to empower other people to be the best of themselves, I guess. And I, I think you guys have done that for me and I'm, I'm hoping I've done that for other people through you guys as well. And let's, you know, let's, let's make that bigger. Let's make that, you know, on a mass scale. And that's, that's kind of what I want to do. Spot on Mo. Um, I couldn't have thought of a better way of rounding off the, the more serious side to our chat today. And, uh, Thank you for being so open, honest, and inspirational and educational in almost everything that you've said on this podcast. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk through so many of those different areas and the impact that you've had, as well as obviously the impact that the diabetes football community has had on you as well. Now, you know, obviously, as that avid listener that we said earlier, how we like to finish the podcast. So we are going to now go over for a little bit of a light-hearted end to what's been an amazing chat with Mr. Peach and his three questions. So, John, have you got them lined up? Got them lined up. You know the drill, Mo. Give us a number. We read you the question. We get your answer. What's your first number? It's between 1 and 30. 27. 27. Um... If you could have one power, superpower, what would it be? Flying, definitely. Why? Why would you go flying? It's something I do in my dreams, I guess. It's just like the open air and just being able to go through landscapes and just be free, I guess. It's just the the, the, the thing. I guess being in a city, you're kind of cramped and you're kind of always stuck in traffic, hearing noises and the ability to fly and feel the wind in your, your hair and all that. So, yeah, maybe it's that. Yeah, it's probably not a bad shout. Probably probably go for similar go on then second question 14 14 if you could go 24 hours without being diabetic what would you do for the day oh my god do you know how hard that question is because i've never i know it's the idea it gets you thinking I've... that's why i'm like asking never... i'm not answering oh my god that's 
I'll probably go in one of those um, eating competitions. Yeah. See if I can kind of win one of them. Man versus food. Food, that's one, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good. I, yeah, I think I, I think I'd be with you on that one. Or eat a pizza without having to worry about how high it was going to go or how it was going to spike in the middle of the night. But yeah, go on then. Last number. Three. Three. Um, if you could go back in time, where would you go and why? Wow. That's a really tough one. I don't know, probably go back to kind of the best holiday I ever went to. I went on a safari when I was, I can't remember when it was, I think it was 11 or something. Um, that was kind of opened my eyes up to the world and, you know, just seeing kind of wildlife and nature and its kind of natural habitat was kind of, you know, it's like, wow, the world has these things and it's so natural. Probably, probably that experience, probably go back to that. Love that one, mate. I think that, that, um, that sounds amazing. Sounds good. Um, just want to finish off saying massive thank you. Firstly, for all you do for TDFC. Um, I think you've you've seen we've we've tried to explain to people and, and talk to people and, and say how much that, that you do do. And, and to be honest, we, we probably haven't covered it all. Um, but a massive thank you from me. Um, I'm learning from you. I've had diabetes for what, 35 years and still just the advice that you give everyone in that group oh i'm more than happy to learn from and and just the, the encouragement you give to people massive thank you for that thank you for coming on the pod as well um fascinating listening to you and and, and again we could have gone on for many many more hours just just chatting and, and just listening to how passionately you talk about it so massive thank you for all you do and for giving up your time tonight mate just want to say thanks to the to the both of you for the the opportunity and i get I, I hope i hope the world can kind of see this and be like you know what there are there is parts of taiwan world that are thriving and this is one if you know this is a great example of that and i think it's it's testament to say that you've got people across the country that you know give up their time at certain times of the year to come together you know don't know who they are you know they're of different backgrounds different races different religions you know they come together because they want to see a shared outcome but not only do they come once they keep doing it over and over and over again and i think that's testament to to what we kind of have achieved and i think we're still in the early stages of it so you know future's bright and thank you so much for what you've done for me personally and let's hope people can use this as an example to see what they can achieve if they work together. So thank you for that as well. You are more than welcome, Mo. And um, the future is exciting. Um, we are in the early stages, but you have been an incredibly important part of our early stages. And from me to you, just a huge, huge thank you for everything you've done to inspire me to continue on this journey and keep pushing and keep knocking on doors and keep, driving what we're doing and also all of the support and the awareness and the education that you provided both me and everybody that's involved in in the project please continue to keep being yourself and keep doing the things you're doing 
you're going to make a huge difference. You've already made a huge difference to our project. And uh, I think the future for you, Mo, and the way that you conduct yourself and the way that you deliver information, the way that you support people, I think the world's your oyster. And I think you're going to go on and do massive things. So um, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast and just a massive, massive thank you for everything that you've done for TDFC so far. And there's a lot more to come from you. So thank you for joining for joining us on the Diabetes Dugout today. Cool. Thanks a lot, guys. Well, that's it for this episode. And we just want to say a huge thank you to everyone who has tuned in. And don't forget to subscribe and follow the podcast on whichever platform you're listening to us on. And whilst you're there, if you could rate and review us, that will help us and the show to reach more people. Whilst if you'd like to get in contact with us about any ideas or thoughts for the show, send us an email about the Diabetes Dugout to the Diabetes Football Community at gmail.com or head to the website www.thediabetesfootballcommunity.com for more information about our project. Thanks for joining us and tune in next time for more stories, inspiration and information about diabetes in football.